You're listening to Kick It, Don't Quit It, a motivational, spiritual podcast seeking to spread love and grace. We are thankful you have tuned in. So without further ado, come kick it with the girls, don't quit on the world. Hey guys, it's Erin here with Kick It, Don't Quit It. I've got Megan across the table from me. Holla. And um, this week, uh, Holly's not able to make it again. Meow. We miss you, Holly. Come back love, soon. Love me, Leona. Um, she's actually about to go on vacation, and I'm extremely jelly. Like, um, I'm so jelly. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, so today... We're coming at you with kind of a, a tough subject, one of those hard ones. We tend to do that, um, but, you know, it actually works for us because we're therapy on the mic. We're able to kind of share some stuff and, and let go of some stuff. So today we are going to be talking about childhood trauma. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, if, if you're above the age of 20... I'm sure there are things in your life, things in your childhood that you can look back on and you can say, well, I would have probably been a little bit better if that hadn't have happened. But yeah. then again, the older we get, the more we understand that those things did form and shape who we are. Yeah. Um, so, Megan, we're going to kind of go to you what was what are some of the things that that you went through as a kid that that shaped who you became mm. how long y'all got <laughs> well we're doing around a 30 minute episode okay okay so so yeah, you so got okay. 28 minutes <laughs> okay um honestly so I'm, I'm just going to kind of dive right in, y'all. I'm not going to waste time at all. Um, y'all, my, my childhood, it, it, was, it was really rough. It was very difficult. It was really scary. If I had to describe my, my childhood, I, I would, that would be the word I would describe it, was it was scary. Um, I, just to kind of take you back just a little bit, you know, I, I was I was the child who had the split home. I lived with my mom primarily, my dad every other weekend, a couple weeks throughout the summer, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure there's a few of you that can relate. Um, looking back, I see that my parents did the best they could in the condition they were in. Yeah. Then I didn't see that. Right. Um, now that I'm a mom, you know, I can only do the best that I can do. Right. And that's what I want to do. But looking back, I mean, man, I w <sighs> kid Megan. I mean, I went through some things that I just I, I wouldn't wish on any child, Aaron. It, it was just really difficult. My, you know, my dad, he was um, a drug addict. And right. so but he was one that you couldn't really tell. He was right. one of them. So we had the business. We had the fancy house, the fancy cars. You know, we had the money in the accounts. Um. I wanted it. I got it. He, we had the Porsche and crotch rockets, and he had all of his toys. He had a in-home gym. I mean, we 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 lived pretty comfortably. Um, we went all to the nice restaurants, everything. Um, 
And I always knew my daddy, you know, he drank alcohol. And I always could recognize as a young girl that he would kind of loosen up after a couple. And I just thought he was funny, you know. No harm, just just completely funny. And um, one night it got really, really serious. Um, And this this night changed my whole life, Erin. And it introduced trauma to me. Um, I was, my brother was playing outside. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the evening time. It was in the summer. The sun was setting. And, um, we were playing basketball outside, you know, mm-hmm. and my daddy was inside and I wanted to go inside and get a drink. I was thirsty. My brother asked me to. So I went in the back door and I walked in and, uh, I remember I, I looked straight and our back door went into our kitchen and my father had my stepmother by the throat against a fridge and I remember I, I, I had never seen anything like that before. Right. I was like, wh- like it, it. I remember it took my mind. Like I just had to stare to really grasp what I was watching. And my dad shoved me outside and locked me out. And I heard screaming and I heard somebody hollering for help. And it was my stepmother. And I just remember sitting there and I was just stunned. Like, what even just happened? Like, what did I really see? Like, was that even real? Right. You know what it's I like mean? It's like a movie that was playing it instead was so of unreal. reality. It wasn't even reality. It was just a show I just watched that happened to have my dad and stepmother in it. Um, and that was the first time that I had ever witnessed something like that in my right. whole life. And um, I remember when I watched that, I hid that deep down. I came, he unlocked the door, we came in, we had dinner, we laughed at the dinner table and acted like nothing happened. Yeah. And I learned, that was really rough, Erin, and I I learned early on as a kid, hide, don't talk about it. Right. Shove deep down, put a smile on your face. Right. Um, Yeah, that was hard. Um, And then you fast forward a couple years and... My dad, there was some gentlemen that, that come in to our shop a lot um, and that would come into our home at really late hours of the night. And uh, they looked, and I'm, I'm trying to think about how to describe, um, they looked very, they were just very scary looking men. That's what right. I'm, That's how I'm going to say that. Um, very, very scary looking men. Um, I felt funny, even just as a 10-year-old little girl. I felt right. very, very odd around these men, and I felt very uncomfortable. And, and just when they would stare at me, I felt violated. Yeah. Very, very odd. They would come into the home, and they would they would go in my dad's office, and they would I'd hear the, the bolt lock. And... Um, they would stay in there about three minutes and they'd leave. Um, and I always thought, you know, what are they doing? Why, why are these weird, strange men coming into our home? What are they going in the back room with my dad for? And why are they leaving so quickly? What's happening? Right, because it's not a real visit. A real visit is yeah. sit down with the family, yeah. talk, maybe have supper. Mm-hmm. You spend 30 minutes to an hour. It's not an in and out yes. process. Yes. I mean, my father never introduced these gentlemen to me. I didn't get their names, nothing, no stories. And his other friends that were really friendly and smiled at me, we all had dinner at their houses and yada yada. Well, you know, you fast forward from that first experience I said to you, and then it got all the way to the point where... I was 12 years old and my dad was screaming and he was asking me where my stepmother was and I said I don't know and so we were looking through the house and I we searched everywhere and I found her 
she hung herself in the closet. Oh, no. And I found her at 12 years old, and she was completely dead. Oh, my goodness. And I I just stared. And I remember my body was shaking. And I was just staring. And my dad ran, and he saw me. And he looked at her, and he said some profanity. He walked quietly, got some scissors, cut her down, and he laughed. And he did CPR, and she came back. And she looked over at at my father and started crying. She didn't want to be there. She didn't want to be brought back. Mm. And, um, I mean, you can only imagine what that does to a young girl. Yeah. I well, these are these are these, I, I know bits and pieces and mm. parts of your story yes. that I've heard when you've ministered or you've talked about different things. But there are there are things that you're telling at this point that I've never heard before. I I didn't I didn't know those things. Yeah. Um, and it it makes me look at you differently, but not in a bad way because I look at you and I'm like oh my gosh, this woman has been through so much and to come out the other side with the strength and the vulnerability that you have and not to stay that eight-year-old or 12-year-old girl curled up in the corner pushing all of the world aside. Um, That's strength. That's strength that there's a lot of people do not have that yeah. strength I I just remember being so speechless because I had never I never I mean how how do you how do you hang yourself and take your life how does it get so bad that you don't even want to exist yeah. and this was the woman that that took me to get my hair done and right. took me to get my nails done and took me shopping and she she'd make me my cinnamon french toast and she would make me my spicy eggs and that was just garlic eggs and cheese this was the woman that that was my best friend and she was so beautiful to me and we got along so well she had been in my life since I was three years old Um, she made my dad's house so much fun and and she was such a homey person she went all out for Christmas and I just remember saying, why, why, how, who, what? And in um, all those years that I witnessed those things, Erin, I, I never told my mother. She would come to pick me up on Sunday, and I would smile. Right. And so as it's humans, one, we're not meant to right. conceal things like that. It's one of those that the outside facade looks like mm. a looks like perfection that's yeah. what you know that the nice house the nice cars yeah. the, the nice environment all of those things the 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 business and all of those things look like what everybody strives for yeah you know everybody wants the nice house and that's they what want my father was nice trying things. to do he grew up actually poor gotcha. um you know he grew up in a different time than what we do Aaron yeah. and, and it was just him his his mother his father him and his brother and they from my understanding they didn't have a whole lot and so he wanted to provide for, he wanted me to have the nice the name brand things and right. you know he wanted me to have the opportunities he didn't his heart was to to do that but somewhere 
along the way, he got mixed up and and drugs and heavy alcohol, and he got mixed up with people. And I remember I could see it in his eyes when Daddy was gone. Right. I could see it. You know, he'd drink a couple beers, and then we would start taking shots. And by the way, I'm taking them with him at eleven. Yeah. I'm smoking marijuana with him. I'm taking hydrocodones like they're M and M's. I'm just being honest. Right. Um. I. I'm doing these things at such an early age and it's just so surreal. And then I'm clocking out as this version of me and I'm going home to my mother who's shoving a Bible in my face and taking me to a church that I didn't like. I'm just being real. I'm being honest. It sounds awful, but this is my childhood. It's reality. (laughs) I mean, there, there are so many people who live this same reality that, that need somebody to say there is, there is a path out of that. Yeah. You don't have to live that way. This doesn't have to be your future. This yeah. doesn't have to be what what you have to look forward to. There can be change made. Um, because if you don't, then you end up like your stepmom. Yeah. Who the only choice she feels like she has is to take her own life. Yeah. Um, because that's... that's when people, when somebody commits suicide, it's not because they have everything going for them. Yeah. It's because they feel like that's the only solution yes, to release the, the pain that they're going through day in and day out. Um, and so to know that there is an out that isn't that direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you're not that person. No. So. And so I, uh, I remember one day... Um, it, my dad, he, uh, he, he, he stabbed my stepmother six times in the abdomen, and you can only imagine the amount of police that were, oh, yeah. that were there that day. I mean, it, they were tasing him. It took officers, six officers to take him down. Um, all over the news, you know, mom found out. She wow. finally found out, you know. Um, I'd, she come to pick me up, and I remember my mom looked at me, madder than a hornet, <laughs> and she said, "Why didn't you tell me? I can't protect you if I don't know." And um, I really resented her for that from a long time. But now that I'm a mom, I understand. I can't protect you, girls, right. if you don't tell me what's right. happening. And I you didn't see feel that like now. you needed to be protected at that point because I was you just were being so able to... stunned, and I, I thought yeah. this is not real. What I'm watching every weekend and during the summer, this isn't real. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I literally going through it. I couldn't comprehend what was happening I remember shaking all the time I remember a door shutting and it would make me jolt I remember all throughout the night I would drink Red Bulls I would get in my father's um, liquor cabinet and I would grab Red Bulls and I would drink those all night long so I could stay awake in case he killed my stepmother so I could save her and I remember I would I would listen for her voice. I would check on her on the nights that they would actually go to sleep and they wouldn't fight. And I, I would I would make sure that I watched her because I was going to be the one that saved her. Um, my father, he got really paranoid. He put cameras all in the house. He put recording on our home systems. And this was back when we had home phones. Mm-hmm. And there was one time he called me into his office and he said, why did you call your mother nine times and not say anything? And he was, and that's how I found out yeah he could hear me call her nine times and he knew the number 
And so um, as I went through that, this really sowed a lot of bad seed into me. And I remember um, when I, I remember the first time I really knew that this wasn't normal. I went to my really good friend's house and, and she had a teddy bear for a dad big old burly man Mm -hmm. and you just melted when he hugged you everybody was baby girl Mm -hmm. he got your plate for supper he pulled out the chair he opened the car door he made sure that the the heater in the car was on for you before you got in he wanted you to be warm um he walked you into the game he would buy me a Gatorade before we played ball just because he was a daddy by nature Mm -hmm. and um I remember going to his house and he looked at me and he said, are you okay, Megan? And I looked at him and I said, yeah. He said, no, you're not, baby. He said, come here. And he hugged me. And I just remember thinking this, what my version of a father is not right. Right. This is not right. This is not normal. Um, This is not what a dad should be. Yeah. And my dad, I love him. But he put such a void in my heart. He right. sowed so much in me. And he wounded me. Yeah. He cut me. He distorted my view of what a man was, what a yeah. father was. He robbed me because yeah. he was sick. Yeah. And he didn't get healing. Right. He did that. Yeah. So my story is not anywhere close to what you went through I had the same daddy issues though yes um because my dad um my my grandfather on my dad's side um molested my dad's sisters now years later he got saved and he apologized and he asked for forgiveness and you know all of that stuff but it doesn't change the childhood trauma that my dad had and that his sisters had and so when my father and my mother got married, <clears throat> he told my mom they weren't having kids. He yeah. didn't want kids because um, he was afraid. He was afraid that it would be a generational curse that was passed down from his dad to him. And he didn't want anything like that to happen between him and his kids. So he told her, we're not having kids. And if we have kids, we're having boys. Mm-hmm. And my parents ended up with two girls. Is that how that works? You get to pick what you're having? I guess. You get to just pick. <laughs> shooting boys and only boys. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I needed to know that. I, I, I'm so thankful I know this. Um, so, so my dad was very loving. I have pictures um, when I was from when I was a, a little talk um, of rolling around on the floor, wrestling with my dad and, and playing and, and everything. But... As I started to get older, my dad put a barrier between us because he was afraid. Um, I never questioned that my father loved me, which I don't know that you ever questioned that your dad loved you. It's just he let other things get in between the love that he had for you yeah. and, and him. Um, my dad did the same thing, but it was a barrier he put up himself. Yeah. And then when I became, well, I wasn't even a teenager yet, but I was probably 10, 11. My dad became a trucker and he started hauling grain. And so he was home at night. And then the money to be an over the road trucker was a whole lot better than just hauling grain local. Yeah. So my dad became an over the road trucker. 
And so he was gone. He he pastored a church on Sunday, left Sunday night, normally after service, and then didn't get back home till Friday or Saturday. Mm. Um, And so he was gone. It was just me, my sister, and my mom. And I have an amazing mom. I mean, my mom is this be true. Is top we notch. We love you, Sister Jody. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Our Grammy. <laughs> Our Grammy. Y'all, everybody calls her Grammy. Um, she is Grammy to everybody, and it's so funny because her mom was the same way. My mom, my mom's mom and dad were um, Grandma and Grandpa Wilson, and they were Grandma and Grandpa Wilson to everybody. And so, um, just dealing with my dad not being there. Um, that we'd have created right, a void. we'd have something at school um he couldn't show up you know because he was gone or whatever and i mean that that bled in from my teenage years into my my 20s um i remember i think it was my 20th birthday might have i think it was my 20th birthday um my dad had called and was going to come get me for lunch and take me out and all this stuff. And then I get a phone call about 30 minutes before um, he was supposed to be there. And he said, baby girl, um, I've got, I I took a run that I thought I could get off, get back in time. He says, but I'm I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to take you to lunch today. I'm like, okay. You know, and he flaked on me. Um, I was married to a gentleman at that time who I got up that morning and went to work I was working a split shift got up went to work come back home he was still laying in bed and I was like are you gonna at least tell me happy birthday and he's like I will when I wake up and I'm like okay um it just seemed like everybody had forgot me um and so it was just but that was sewed into you, that oh, yes. feeling. The feeling that I wasn't, I wasn't important enough. Yeah. I wasn't important enough to, to be made number one priority. Yeah. Um, and that went with me up until, I mean, I'm still dealing with some of those things. And I can tell you within the last two months, there have been changes that I have made in myself that have started to erase some of those feelings that were implanted in me when I was 10 or 12. And I had the same thing. I had friends whose dads were, were the, they, you, you, they'd walk in the door and run to their daddy and jump on his lap. Oh and I couldn't do that. That's such a tearjerker to me. Even to this, I'm not even yeah. gonna play. I'm not even gonna act like. I mean, it, it's still a tearjerker to me. I, I remember my senior night. Everybody had their dad, and I was the only one who didn't. And I just remember. I mean, it just just pain. It was just such a painful experience. And the thing about trauma is, most. I think everybody has some level, some form oh, of trauma, yeah. whether it's, you know, a drug addict for a father, a absent father, or even just a drug addict mother. I mean, even if there's no drugs involved, I mean, there's always going to be some type of trauma. And I think that, that before we can ever heal, Erin, we have to recognize that there, there is a cut in our heart. There's a knife in our back. Yeah. There's a there's something not right in our mind there's something there there is trauma it did happen 
um, for such a long time, Erin, I, I shoved it down. I didn't talk about mm-hmm. it. And when my mom confronted me, like I was sharing that experience with you, it was so, I, I couldn't even, I got mad, I got angry that she confronted my trauma. Right. And that she wanted to bring it to light. It made me angry. It, it made me shake to think about, it was bad enough it happened, but then you're going to ask me to talk about it. Right. And well, because, I, I mean, it, there's something that's, you know, said about, you know, the daughter and the father relationship and how that, that, that goes. And I think, I don't even think it just has to be a father daughter relationship. It yeah. could be a son and father relationship. There's something in that that's sewn in that we strive to have their acceptance and yes. their, jo- their pride that, you know, they look at us and they, they, they're proud of us. Um, my, my biological father, um, has in the past, there have been things that have happened and he, he has expressed, I'm just so proud of you and the person that you've become, um, and the things that you do. And that, that means something to me. Um, but now I have, I also have a stepdad who is amazing. I mean, my, my stepdad is, has been there, um, has filled that void so many times. Um, I truly don't know what me and my sister would have done without David um, and the love he has shown. <laughs> I mean, my sister put him through the ringer um, yeah. on, on that. Like, she, she was like, no, you're not my dad. You're not my dad. You're not my dad. Of course, when her when my mom and David got together um my sister was like 15 16 something like that so she was still a teenager and in the house and all of that stuff and um and she was she gave him a lot of pushback like he had to he had to work he had to work for her her love and affection but he did it you know I mean he just did it and see that's so I love how the Lord did that I mean that's just such a godsend for me in my opinion um you know I told you that when it all came crumbling down and they uh you know I had to I was forced to talk about what was going on naturally you know mom took me out of that right and then I'm 14 at this point a year later I get pregnant at 15 um undealt with trauma Erin leads to very bad decisions um it's emotional decisions it's decisions that that will alter your whole life and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade my child for anything in this world but would I have traded the time to be more prepared absolutely Erin and so I think today I mean if we we covered any ground we covered that We've all got trauma, Erin. Mm-hmm. Um, mine doesn't look like yours. Yours doesn't look like mine, but yet it does. Right. Pain is pain. Pain is pain. Um, and I think the first step in trauma is you've got to recognize you had it. Right. And, I, and I'm not talking about wallowing and, and making yourself worse off, but I do now. I acknowledge that that I went through some difficult things as a young girl, and and that wasn't – I didn't deserve that. Um I'm not bitter towards my father. He, he, it's the, he, he did the thing that a lot of people did. He got curious. He took a bite out of the apple that he didn't know what was going to happen fully. I think if he, 
if he could redo and if he could look and if he really knew that, hey, if I go this direction and it replays like it did, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he would have done it. I I don't believe that. I don't believe that the substance of his choice was that good to rip apart our family. And so I, um, yeah, that y'all, I mean, that's, that's deep. That's, that's some vulnerable stuff right there. That's some heavy stuff right there. And so, I mean, as we dive into trauma, I just want to say to us, anybody out there, we've all got it. You're not alone. And, and suicide's never the way out. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to waste words and time. Suicide is never the answer, y'all. There is somebody out there that, that loves you and his name is Jesus. He does love you. And even if you don't know him, believe in him, it still doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. I didn't believe in God, y'all. I didn't believe in the Lord. And I I don't believe in the approach of shoving that down your throat. But I do want to say to you, whether you know him or not, he loves you. And suicide is not the way out. No. When you suicide, it... it it leaves everybody behind to pick up the pieces. Um, and you're you're leaving the rest of your family to try to figure out what they could have done to change the outcome. Um, it's It's not the way to go. As Megan said, there is a God who loves you more than you could ever know, who wants what's best for you, who wants to love on you and and give you affection um and he's the way so we're gonna we're gonna close this episode but i think um we're gonna close it a little different um Megan, will you pray? I was just thinking that, Erin. Yeah. Will you just <laughs> pray for the people who've listened to this and it's yes. resonated in their spirit? Yes. Um, yes. Because I believe that there's somebody out there who will listen to this. And you may be thinking about suicide. Because you've gone through things and you don't know another way out. And I would say, please reach out. Um, email us or send us a, a message on Facebook. Let us let us help you. Um, because that's what we're here for. So I'm going to have Megan pray real quick. And that's the way we're going to end the show today. Dear Jesus, God, I thank you for every person that listened. I thank you for every person that that took a pause and didn't proceed in ultimately hurting themselves. They chose to just sit and listen to this, God, and I thank you for that. Lord, I'm asking you to reach down to the man, to the woman, to the person, to the human being that has a heart gaping, that is bleeding, and that is hurting, and that just doesn't know how to go on, God. Trauma is something that we do experience in the earth. I don't believe that was ever a part of your plan, God. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for you to wrap your arms around them today. I'm asking for you to bring comfort. I'm asking for peace to just blanket us whenever we don't know what to do, what to say. And it's to the point where the only way for this pain to go away is if I end my life. 
God, I'm asking you to shield our minds from the lies of hell because that is not an option. That's, that's not an option. We take that off the table tonight. And God, to the person out there that does not know you, has never heard of you, isn't sure if they want to know you, I pray that you would just put your sweet presence around them like you did me. Because there was a time, Lord, I didn't want you. I didn't know you, and I didn't care nothing about you, God. So, Lord, we invite you into those situations, and we believe, God, that you are going to do what you all do best. You're a healer. You're a provider. You're a restorer. You're a giver. You're a strengthener, God. You're a shield. You are so many wonderful things. And I'm asking you, God, to show yourself in those ways to the people of this world that are hurting. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.